Okay, so this is our first ever champagne show featuring the very own David Spinks. Hello. How's it we, going? We started abruptly here. We started abruptly, and that's what the champagne show is about. It's about starting abruptly. Before it's about abruptness. So the idea for champagne show, for everyone listening, came out of a bunch of podcasts I was listening to, and I realized that a bunch of them are just not about what's on your mind. And I just wanted to have casual talks with friends and hear what's on their mind. So there's no agenda. We haven't pre-planned anything. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you. No I have idea. no idea what you're going to ask me. No idea. And we have no idea where this is going to go, but I think we can just have fun, have some champagne. Cheers. Cheers. And, uh, and take it from there. So... I think we should be honest, though, that it's actually Prosecco. Okay, I mean, okay, let's be that's true. So the first ever <laughs> champagne show is actually Prosecco. I would say 9 on 10 sweet. It's very sweet. But we're pretty... Are we sweet, guys? I, I like it. I like it right now. Are, but are we sweet people? I think we're sweet people. <laughs> so I think for us, um, I guess, yeah, let's start it off. You ready? I don't know. Alright. I guess it have to be. Well, what day are we? April 3rd? 3rd. 2018? 2018. What's on your mind? That's the first question. What's on your mind? Like, what have you, you been thinking of? How was your day? What's going on? Oh, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a big question. There's a different thing on my mind every half hour. <laughs> and by the way, I'll preface it with David Spinks is uh, the founder of CMX. Um, and, yeah. you know, and what CMX does is helps, you know, you can pitch it better than I can. Uh, we're an association for community professionals, so we teach people and businesses how to build community. Right. So, you must have a lot on your mind if you're, you know, you, you're managing communities, you're giving advice on how to manage communities. Yeah, man. Uh, you're a bootstrap startup, right? You haven't raised outside money. Bootstrap startup, haven't raised any money. Um, and kind of, we were talking about this earlier, kind of in a phase of people leaving, new people joining the company, um, so trying to find the right people, uh, the people that I think I can make really successful mm -hmm. at working with us and that they can do really great work mm -hmm. when they work with us, um, identifying the gaps in my own skill sets and the gaps in our team skill sets and figuring out where to fill those gaps, all while managing a bootstrap company that cash flow is always a challenge. We, we never fundraise. We don't have a million dollars to try to hire the right five people and see if it works. We can only really hire people if we know that by adding them, we're, we're increasing the capacity of our company and the value that we're able to create by at least that much. Okay, and, and from a scale of 1 to 10, how stressed are you? Hmm. Today? Yeah, today. Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This week? This week, I'd say three has been, it's still early in the week, so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll call it a three. Last week was probably a seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you usually deal with that stress? Um, a few ways. Uh, one, <laughs> I don't, right. and I'm just like, you get through it. 
it's the ebbs and flows of running a business and right. just kind of knowing that it will pass. Um, I meditate uh, sometimes consistently, sometimes inconsistently, but mm-hmm. uh, try to do that every morning and night. And that has done incredible things for my mental health. I feel like also you're just like a happy dude. Like I saw you out the other night, you're smiling ear to ear. You, you're just naturally, it feels like, a happy dude. I think... I would, I would say that I enjoy spending time with people. And when I'm in something with friends and when I'm engaged in something, I, I am extremely uh, positive. I would say I'm a positive person. Mm-hmm. Um, happy is much more of an internal thing, right. I think. You never really um, know who's happy. Yeah. Like, you know, you can be with your closest friend and then find out one day, like, that person's, like, super depressed. Yeah. And what is... Happiness isn't... Uh, I always think about this. Happiness isn't a state that you reach. Like, a person isn't happier, not happy, or happier, mm-hmm. depressed. Like, they are going through phases of happiness and sadness in a day or in an hour, even in a minute. And so... Um, generally, uh, I, am a positive person. Um, I, I'm very sensitive to the room and the energy in a room. And if I feel like it's negative or down, uh, I always feel a responsibility to bring it up. Yep. Um, I have a, like an extreme need to be accepted and liked that, that I've always had, mm-hmm. um, and so from that perspective, a lot of people would say like, wow, like super outgoing, happy, but a lot of that comes from a place of like trying to fill something. Yep. Um, and I think, I, I think about like meaningfulness as maybe a better term sometimes. Like, are you, you don't have to be happy or sad, but if you know why you're doing what you're doing or you're content with how you're spending your time, um, maybe that's what happiness actually is. Okay, I have a question for you. All right. So, first of all, can I get some more Prosecco? Have you? You're the man. <laughs> we gotta keep that our, bottle close. Our, our boy, yeah, we gotta keep the bottle close. Always good. Yeah, keep that close. We're gonna keep it close. We're gonna keep that bottle close. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a solid pour. So, Today, a few hours ago, there was a shooter that came to YouTube. Yeah. Hours. Yeah. A few people got shot. I feel like more often, like, I'm on Twitter, I'm on whatever, um, and I'm just seeing, like, news like this. Yeah. And it's like, my question to you is, how much do the news items like that affecting you on a day-to-day basis? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, way too much. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to make a very intentional effort to detach from it more. And so at this point, I've deleted all the social apps on my phone, all email. Uh, you, oh, you, you deleted email? I don't phone? have email on my phone. Um, I downloaded an app called OffTime that pushes push notifications you every time like it's like you've been on your phone for 10 minutes now you've been on mm. for 20 minutes and it tracks how much time you've been on your phone and what you're using and you can press a button and like it blacks out your screen and uh so you can't use your phone for an x amount of time um 
and uh, same thing on the web. I use like self control to try to make sure I don't go. Like I definitely feel addicted to a lot of these networks, and I there was a recent article that I really liked where the author uh, got the news via the newspaper for a few weeks or a month or something, and. It was really interesting because what he described was uh, when you're getting all of your news through social media, you're getting it in the moment. So the shooting happened today and I immediately saw it and then I saw all the responses to it and I saw what people thought about it and I saw the fake news that came out about it and I saw my friend Vadim's account get hacked Mm -hmm. uh, while he was evacuating. I just watched all this happen. Right? But if you read it in a newspaper tomorrow, what it will do is take all of those things, compile them, tell you what's important, um, cut out all the fake stuff that happened, and give you, like, here is the story. Like, mm-hmm. this is the story is something that needs to be kind of created, um, and we're, we're like part of that process of creation now, and that's extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, trying to detect, I use a skim, which is a daily newsletter for news, so that helps. Kind of like if I check in once a day, I kind of get the gist of things. Um, and I'm really trying to make an effort not to because it's affecting my happiness. I find myself going down the rabbit hole of then looking at all these tweets from people who are there just to troll and get a reaction. Um, and it, it's, it gets through to you anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to avoid. And so um, I just would rather let things come to me rather than like put myself in a position to be pulled and swayed by it in, a, in every moment. My, my mentor um, once told me this. He said that if you walk into an opium den, even if you don't smoke opium, you will get high off opium. And I think the point there is, and this, you know, he explained this in like a completely other context, but within this context, it's like, if you're just like constantly on Twitter and you're constantly following the news and you're creating and you're like, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, what does this person think? I think like, to your point, it's like, by osmosis, it's gonna affect you. Yeah, you get pulled into it. But it's, I I don't know if I'd be able to like, remove email from my phone. I don't know if I'd be able to do all that stuff. I think you, what I, what I'm trying, (laughs) what what I'm trying to do is just be more intentional with the time. So it's not that I don't use email, but what I want to, when I'm, when I'm checking email, I'm checking email Mm -hmm. and I'm doing it with intention. I'm not doing three other things at the same time. I'm checking email. When it's on my phone, what happens is you're sitting there and you're bored or not even bored sometimes. Sometimes you're sitting with friends and you just get this like trigger in your Mm -hmm. brain and you just need to check something. I just find myself opening my phone, like checking something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I check email and then I'm flipping through it. Half the emails, no, 90% of the emails, I can't do anything about right there when I'm on my phone. They take other tasks to get back to. They probably take a little bit of a longer response. I need to think about a decision. And so it just stresses me out completely. Mm-hmm. And so I deleted it thinking, shit, what am I gonna do if I don't have access to my, my email? And in reality, I'd never have to check my email when I'm on my phone, mm-hmm. never have to. It's never like, maybe once or twice, I've deleted it probably close to a year now. 
once or twice maybe I've been like, man, how do I get to my email? And then I just log in on the browser, mm-hmm. go through Gmail, and it's it's harder, but that's a point, mm-hmm. and uh, I can do that. So you will you will sometimes go in and check like via the internet. Yeah, browser. Yeah, but again, it's it's like I have something specific to do, and so I'm going to do that specific thing. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's email or how I spend my time in the morning or um, even my week, mm-hmm. uh, I, I struggle sometimes. You know, we're a small team. I juggle a whole range of things. I, I handle our client work. I handle sales. I do community management. I'm building our team, operations, taxes, everything. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these things over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. You know, you know this, you're a CEO. Like you have all these different things. And so each day I find myself looking at that, the 14 things that are on my plate mm-hmm. and trying to figure out, like, how can, I, how can I manage this? How can I juggle this? How can I get to everything? Uh, and what I started doing the last month, uh, which has been really effective so far, is assigning days to specific projects. And so, um, again, it's just like being specific and intentional. And so now let's say Monday is um, an operations day and I'm just gonna focus on operations. And then whenever that thought comes in my mind, like, oh crap, I gotta work on our recruiting line of business. I could say, no, no, <laughs> I've assigned this to Wednesday. I know I have dedicated time for that. I don't have to worry about it right now. Mm-hmm. And I like that exact thought process keeps happening for me. And it feels so good to see that I've already allocated this to another time and I don't have to worry about it now. And now I can just continue to focus on the thing I said I was going to get done today. You do realize you have way more willpower than most people. Like most people, I mean, even if they assign Wednesday to do taxes, are like, eh, maybe I could, you know, something came up and they come up with excuses. I'm definitely not saying that I am perfect at doing it, but even just making that effort and working towards it, even if just two days a week you're able to really focus more, mm-hmm. the level of productivity that increases is, is worth it. Mm-hmm. What do you do for managing all the things that's on your plate? I'm pretty damn intentional. <laughs> See? Um, I, you know, when I started working, like, professionally, I, I, I treated it like school. When you go to school, you have, like, six periods, science class, French class, history. So that's what I do. I put in, I use my calendar as, like, 90 minutes, I'm going to think about this thing. 120 minutes, taxes two hours, like, go for a walk. Mm. So I just throw, I mean, I, like, I'm still, like, in school. And you plan that all out ahead of time? I plan ahead of time. Like, weekly? I plan it, um, like, I'll do on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll kind of add it. It changes during the week because, like, stuff comes up. Sure. But, like, yeah, totally. I do the same thing. Yeah. I do Sunday planning, like, just an hour at a coffee shop just to plan the week, and I go into Monday feeling... Mm-hmm. So much better. Totally. And so, did you always have that willpower, or is it something that developed? What happened was when I dropped when I was it when I dropped out of school. No, I think it was um, when I was maybe sixteen or seventeen. Um, I think you know all the kids my age, maybe I was sixteen or something. All the kids my age were going to summer camp. So. And I wanted to like basically 
be a better developer and um, help companies with social media because that's what normal 16 year olds do. Sure. Yeah. And um, I remember hearing my brother about it and he's like, okay, you could do that. But my brother who's like got, you know, a million master's degrees and is a doctor and MD, MBA, master's in pathology, all these things. He was like, he, you know, he's a really big academic. And he was all like, he's the one who told me, he was like, yeah, you could not go to summer camp, but plan your days as if you're going to school. Mm. And mm. that's, it got ingrained in me. Yeah. So that's how I plan it. It's, it's out of necessity. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think I have more willpower than anybody. Um, I'm a founder. We have a remote team, so everyone works from wherever they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so why are you in San Francisco, Frank? Like, dude, <laughs> this is the most expensive city, like one of the most expensive cities in the world. <laughs> Rent is crazy. Well, let, let me finish that thought, and then we'll dive into San Francisco. <laughs> um, but I think the, like the point there that I want to make is that um, it comes out of necessity. And I certainly didn't always have this structure and I've been fired from jobs before because I didn't know how to manage my time properly and how to um, focus on the right things at the right times. And it's still like absolutely a major, major pain point. Um, I, I, do, I get distracted a lot, but um, out of necessity, you just, get, you just get hurt by it enough times and eventually you're like, like no, mm -hmm. like I it's not worth it for me to spend an hour getting upset on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it took it happening enough times to where you almost, you really feel like it's having a negative impact on your life and your business and your focus that it makes it worth committing to. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think what you're saying and you're kind of saying, which I totally agree with is like, well, what you're not saying, which I, you know, I think is really important, is being super mindful of like how you're feeling about certain things. Mm. You yeah. know, like in life, you know, you feel sad for a certain re reason, you feel happy for a certain reason, you feel frustrated for a certain reason, and it's like, I feel like a big part of like the key to um, figuring out life and being happy and, and all these things and being motivated and stuff like that is like listening to what your body is telling you and your mind is telling you and being like, okay, stop right here, this is happening, but it, it means this. Mm-hmm, 100%. It's, it's all about being aware, observing, and it's, it's both, there are times where it's like, this is how I feel, and um, you know, this is like common in Buddhism and Stoicism, it's just like being aware of how you feel, but not, trying to change it or judge it or anything in any way. It's like, I am sad and so I will be sad. Right. I'm not going to try to change the way things are. I'm just going to be present with that and not judge that as good or bad because there is no good or bad. It's just, I'm sad. Right. That's what it is. Are you into like that stoicism stuff and Buddhism mm -hmm. stuff? Yeah. You like read about it and yeah. listen about it? Like, what do I, I'm, I know Ryan Holiday is yeah. big on that. Yeah. He recommended, uh, um, uh, philosophy as a way of life to me and that was a really good kind of entry point into a range of different philosophies from... Gate, gateway drug. 
Yeah, it was a little actually more advanced than I think mm-hmm. you'd want in a starter book. Like there was just a lot that I didn't quite get. It kind of assumes that you've read some of the basic ones already. Okay. But um, anyway, yeah, it's 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 a good book. Um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius is okay. a really really good one. Um, and there's one that he recommended to me as well. That's like a much better translation because it's um, just like written in more of a modern-day tongue. Um, I just started dropping ashes on the Buddha. It's a really good, unique Buddhism book that the, the Zen master, who, it's all speeches and conversations he had with students, but they're all U.S.-based students, so mm-hmm. it felt much more relevant. They talk about sex and drugs and money and business and all that stuff. Um, but in, in all these different philosophies, there's, there's generally this um, aspect of just being aware and not trying to change things and like to to be zen is to just kind of like sit and and accept things as they are in a mm. way is that what zen is oh that's I a mean, big question I, mean, I don't know you know i you're talking to someone who like i feel like innately i know like you know, people say these words stoicism zen yeah mindfulness yeah. i haven't done much research but like, in my mind, Zen means, like, complete calm. It means, like, the lake, 6 a.m., you know, when you go water, have your water skied on, like, a super calm lake? Mm-hmm. It's that. Yeah. Um, I would say it's not that. Because what if the lake is rough? What will you do then? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a rough lake guy. I'm more of, like... But it's there. Like, it's life, right? You're in the lake. You right. don't choose if it's calm or rough. And so you can try to fight the rough lake, but maybe it's better to just accept that the, the lake is rough. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of more of what I understand um, of Zen is whatever it is, it's, it's acceptance of that thing. So the one, one line from uh, Dropping Ashes on the Buddha that stuck with me that... Um, I always remember is he just says uh, Zen is like this meaning it's like this it's it's this this is I mean Zen. right now this could this be more <laughs> this is pretty Zen like, we got candles is, lit I mean, I'm about to water ski on this table right now <laughs> you know what I mean like but say you know that's right now it's it's a calm space and and um, and so it's you could say it's like that lake, but that's like in your mind, regardless of your external circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And um, and so it's like choosing how you react to things, or mm-hmm. or how you handle how you react to things. Right? And it's like Viktor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning* is one of my favorite books ever. Same thing. He went through the Holo- He was in the Holocaust. He was a prisoner, and he's a psychologist, and, and basically wrote that like. Regardless of all the things that's happening to you, you choose how to respond to it. And so, managing stress, meditation, Zen Buddhism, running a business, like, it's Mm -hmm. all like, the way you handle it is to be aware of how you're feeling, um, and, and, and choose how you want to respond to it. Mm -hmm. Alright, I got some reading to do. Yeah, you got a whole list. I think, um... I went to the doctor the other day. This is kind of switching gears a bit, but kind of related. Uh-huh. And he's like, how much, how much do you drink? Mm. And I told him. And he goes, 
and he goes into his, uh, his drawer and he picks up a paper and it's like, Alcoholism 101. Ooh. And he goes, did you know that if you drink more than, I think it was three or four, I think four drinks a week, uh-huh. that it's like considered alcoholism. Okay. Like four, you know, three to five drinks a week. I know a whole lot of alcoholics. Then. So I looked at him in the eye and I was like, I, he gave it to me and he was like explaining it to me and I just didn't say anything and I was like, I looked at him and I was like, his name is Ethan. So I was like, Ethan, Dr. Ethan. Literally everyone I know is an alcoholic. Is that, <laughs> is that what you're trying to tell me? Like, is that what you're trying to tell me? Um, and he was talking about like, yeah, like founders and people who are, I mean, I think it's a, it's a problem with everyone, but it got me thinking about like, you know, how do people cope with stress? Yeah. Um, and, you know, are we neglecting our bodies to a certain extent? Um, what is that happy medium? You know, mm-hmm. is three drinks a week too much? Is four drinks a week too much? Is, you know, what is it? Seven, eight, three, one. Could you know? Could you vape a jewel? I heard uh, someone was telling me that like jewels are like you know what a jewel is, right? It's a um, pen. It's like a nicotine pen. Okay. That all these kids like call it fourteen to sixteen year olds are so addicted because like every cartridge has as much nicotine in one of those guys yeah. as a pa- as a pack of cigarettes. Damn. And there's like I forgot which school it was, but there's a school that like all the kids are addicted to to the jewel, like addicted, like twitching, like wow. when they're not. And they went on a school trip, no jewels allowed, and like the like seventy five percent of the class had like crazy headaches, yeah. nausea, like withdrawals, and it's like. What? Yeah. You know? So I think, like, you know, I'm not saying that kids are, you know, these kids are super stressed. Maybe they are, but, like, I think something I think a lot about is, like, how do you, how do you deal with the rough waters and yeah. the calm waters? Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with Brene Brown? No. So she's... Um, a researcher that researches uh, belonging and shame mm-hmm. and vulnerability and things like that. Um, she's got one of the most popular TED Talks out there now um, and a couple books. And the other day I was listening to an interview that she had. I think it was on Oprah's podcast. Mm-hmm. Love that. And, um, and she called it Numbing. She's like, we all have something that we use to numb. It could be food, drinks, alcohol, TV. Mm-hmm. It's like you get home and you just want to numb. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? Why do we want that? Is it because life is like too much? Is it because it's comfort? Um, she looks a lot at, at that vulnerability and, and bravery and putting yourself out there and so you know the things that cause self-doubt or concern or you don't know if you're doing the right thing um and her whole thing is the only way to be brave is to go through vulnerability Mm -hmm. no one in the history of humanity has ever been brave without being vulnerable Mm -hmm. because the definition is to to put yourself out there 
take take that risk in, in the unknown, right? That is bravery, and to do that, you have to be vulnerable and admit what you don't know, and mm-hmm. accept it. Um, and it's a lot easier to numb that. It's a lot easier to uh, see feel that vulnerability and and just try to shove it back down mm-hmm. or hide it or cover it up. Yeah. Yeah. She's life is, That's life, those are her words. Okay. Life is real. Yeah, man. Life's real. You know, those life's are some. Real. I mean, I I hear that. I hear that. You know, I think um, there's a lot of people on this earth that need to watch this TED talk. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Her book, uh, "Braving the Wilderness," is the most recent one. Um, she has like TED Talks podcast. Just like one of my favorite people to like listen to and learn from. Mm-hmm. Because it's real and it's relatable and it makes sense and it's true and <laughs> maybe it gives you some tools to to manage it. I a few hours ago I got off the phone with a, a buddy of mine, like super successful founder, startup is raising all this money, like all the best investors, like team is growing, like checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. And I was just like, like how are you feeling, dude? Like, and he was like, man, I'm like working nonstop. Yeah. I'm like, don't remember the last day I took off, yeah. like fully took off. And, and, you know, he was like convincing himself. I was like, dude, you should totally take like a couple of days off, three yeah. days off, go to Mexico. I don't know. And he was like, no, I can't. And I was, I was a bit, you know, I think there's this like, Gary V hustle yeah. mentality yeah. that's like sweeping the world now. Yeah. And you know, this isn't this isn't a knock on Gary, but like the only way to be creative, for example, is if you have that like off time. Yeah. And the only way like to think about your priorities is if you have that off time. Yeah. And I wonder if something I've been thinking about, like what's on my mind, is like, what is that balance? You know, because like for me, you know, I run a venture back startup. It's super exciting. I'm loving it. It's it's like, I love my team. Like, yeah. I want to see it, you know, succeed. Um, but at the same time, like, there's other aspects of life, and for me to succeed on my thing, I might need to like take some, you know, time off here and there. So I'm curious, like. How do you think about off time yeah. and how intentional are you with it? Yeah. Um, and you have, you mean, you're engaged. I'm engaged. Super engaged. The most engaged. Exactly. <laughs> so that's a whole other thing of like giving time to Allison. Yeah. I mean... I, having been through the startup grind and the venture-backed businesses and worked in like fast-growing businesses, um, I think a lot of the kind of business that I'm trying to build now has been shaped by those experiences. And mm-hmm. like one of our core values is defend your health. And we call it defend your health because you're going to have to defend it, right? There will be like unlimited opportunities to work and you actually have to defend against that to say what's right for me, what's going to make me healthy and happy 
and comfortable and sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so, and we hold each other accountable to that. If we see people working late consistently, we'll ask them, hey, why are you working late consistently? Is this a new habit or is it just a temporary thing? Same thing if they work on weekends. We have a minimum vacation policy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was speaking with an employee today, he's like, he just started with the company and he felt really bad because he's been sick. And I told him, stop working. I literally said, stop mm-hmm. working. Like, you have goals that you have to hit. And we set those goals without knowing what happens. We're humans. We, didn't, we can't plan for you to be sick in the first month of you working here while you're sick. And you working while you're sick is not going to do well for you. It's not going to help you get better. It's not going to be good for the business because you're not doing great work. Um, stop working. Take care of yourself. Get yourself right. Then come back with your full mind and your full presence. And so, like Gary Vee, his philosophy works if you want to be Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. No, I'll take that back. His philosophy works if you are Gary Vee. <laughs> Because it doesn't matter who you want to be. You are who you are. Mm-hmm. And for him, he thrives on working nonstop, on filling that calendar, on always being on, on being on camera a lot. Mm-hmm. And these are things that, for most other people, is just going to run them completely dry. And they're not going to be able to do great work. Mm-hmm. And so that's my you know, bone to pick there is the advice is being given as something that everyone needs to do in order to succeed rather than what he did to succeed for himself. Other thing I don't like about it is if you're not quote unquote successful, it's almost like you didn't work hard enough. Right. And that's not the case. No. It's not about like the more, it's like success isn't like the more hours you put in doesn't mean the more successful you are no. and the more money you'll make and the bit more credibility and better reputation. Just not true. Not at all. Yeah. My parents, both immigrants, busted their ass Mm -hmm. nonstop. Still do. My mom still works three jobs. Mm -hmm. They're not thriving. Mm -hmm. You know, they get by. They've been able to take care of my sister and I. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Sphinx's parents. Shout out. Respect. Yeah. They, They hustle, you know, to give me a life that gave me the opportunities that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know people who work really, really, really hard, but mm-hmm. it doesn't move them further along. Um, and so I think you have to have your balance. How much, how much do you think about your parents on like a day-to-day basis? <laughs> Pretty often. Yeah. Yeah. Are I you... talk to my dad like twice a week. My mom, once every couple of weeks. But as like... They're both in New York as well, so... Yeah, the reason I brought it up is like I was sitting... When I was sitting down here, I was like texting my mom. Yeah. And... But she was texting me, I was texting her back, and... I was just... I'm curious to hear like other people think about... You know, I, I have my own like personal board of directors in my mind. Some living, some dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious... Um, if... You know, how important, like how often you're thinking about, you know, what would your mom do or what would your dad do and then you're making a decision? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, and is it important? You know, are we grown adults? Do we, should we be asking that question? Should we be thinking about them? 
I think you should ask that question for anyone that you look up to and respect. Right? Like that's the best way to lead yourself is to imagine somebody that you aspire to be or some aspect of them that you uh, respect and use that as a role model, as a guide. Um, and so I think I, I do that with my parents for specific situations. My dad is um, the purest form of honesty and mm. politeness and uh, kindness. He's soft-spoken. And, and so if I ever have a, a question of like moral spectrum, he, I think he's a really good north star mm -hmm. for that and my mom's like almost the opposite she's ambitious like hungry mm -hmm. uh fights for what she believes in a lot more volatile <laughs> mm -hmm. um but you know she doesn't take shit mm -hmm. from somebody i'm guessing she, i know i know you have a british and israeli is that it that's right can i guess that your mom is israeli <laughs> that's accurate and your dad is the british yeah and, and they're both as stereotypical Israeli and British. Amazing. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I would channel my mom in times where, like, I feel like I have to, like, step up and, you know, defend or uh, make something happen that doesn't want to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think about, you know, so I have this personal, you know, I don't know if other people have this, but this, like, personal board of directors in my mind where I kind of like... It's interesting, I haven't heard anyone describe it that way before. Yeah, it's just, you know, you make decisions all the time, and for the bigger decisions, you kind of want to... None of us have all the answers, including Donald J. Trump, the biggest, you know. So I think... Um, or the most, you know, the most powerful people in the world don't have all the answers, so... Um, what I like to do is have a group of people in my mind who are, you know, on all sides of the spectrum, um, from the mentor I was talking about with the opium example, to my parents, to my grandfather, to, um, you know, business leaders I look up to, artists, musicians, whatever. Um, maybe it's a, a group of seven people, and I kind of like cycle through and I'm like, kind of like, yo, what would Gandhi do over here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, here's one that uh, you can add to your arsenal and there's something from like uh, I went to a Tony Robbins event I think I told you about this before so I went to a Tony Robbins event and he has you a lot of their his events are visualization exercises mm -hmm. and so one of the things they did is have you visualize yourself mm -hmm. in the future um, as the ideal version of yourself how are you treating other people? What do you look like? How do you hold yourself? What does your body look like? Are you surrounded by family? Are you surrounded by friends? Uh, where do you live? Is it a house or apartment, a city, suburbs? And just really visualize this very real person mm -hmm. and this ideal person. And then once you really like lock in that visual, that can be mm -hmm. a guide. And I think about that sometimes. It's like, who, who does that person that I really want to be, mm -hmm. what would he think about right now? I love that. Yeah. It's like the whole, like, if you see it, you will be it kind of vibe. Yeah. And I, I hear that. It makes sense. Yeah. And it's a good exercise. I always, like, sometimes when I meet, like, ambitious people or not ambitious, ambitious people, I'm always like, 
Okay, it's April 3rd, 2019. Where, you know, where do you want to be? And like, it forces them to think, like, oh, you know what? I want to like make this much money or I want to be yeah. doing this thing. So it's like kind of a similar vibe. See, I never have good answers for that. I'm the worst set. It's not about the answer. Future. It's not about the answer. It's like you ask the question and it's like the exercise is the answer. Sure. So it's. What I find is useful for me when I have that visual is it's less about what I have or what I'm doing and it's more about how I am. Mm-hmm. Fair. So how does that person feel? How does he see the world? Mm-hmm. How does he treat other people? Is he calm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me it's... it's I'm water skiing with my friends and family <laughs> on a super calm boat. Sorry, calm waters. Calm waters. And it's like sunset. And it's like, who knows? Like all my friends are doing a triangle on top of each other maybe. Super cool. And I'm like, and like the water is easy. Like that feeling is kind of like the first thing that came to mind. Hmm. Maybe because we're talking about water, water skiing. We've had some water skiing. And we've had some Prosecco. Is there... We're kind of running out of time, but is there... I got time. You know, is there any... Is there anything that recently has been brought into your life that has, like, made you happy? Like, for example, or super stoked or, like, having fun? So, for example, we were talking about how I just got this piano, and it's been, like, super awesome for me. Um, but is there anything like it could be small, like new coffee shop opened, or does it have to be a physical thing? No, it could be anything. Anything could be like your beard. I, I grew a beard, and that's been fantastic. Yeah, is that like your? You know, are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying it. Why? Because of how you look. I guess. Do you like the way you look? <clears throat> I like the way I look. You look uh, great, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look like Jesus. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I like the. I don't know. I think the way you look affects your presence yep. and the way people treat you as well. Do you buy clothes a lot? Uh, average amount. Which is like what? Uh, I probably do like a good shop every two months. Or yeah. Something. You know, get like two or three new shirts or pants or something every couple months. Do you remember the last thing you bought? Clothes wise? Yeah. It's actually been a minute. Cause that's a dope. I bought a white button down. That's a dope. First of all, key. Yeah. White button downs, key to have in the rotation. It fits well and it's just like buy that. White shoes. Do you have any white shoes? I don't, but that's on my list. I mean, you need white shoes. I need a pair. Yeah, everyone needs. Oh, I bought. I bought a pair of sneakers actually that I really like in Australia. Mm -hmm. They're great. First, they're skating shoes, but they look kind of classy. I don't like that. I like things that are comfortable but look kind of classy. <laughs> <laughs> Was it expensive? Uh, average sneaker yeah. size these days. Uh, yeah. Sneaker price. It's like people are super into sneakers these days. Like <clears throat> spending like so much money on sneakers. Yeah. And it's kind of um, like, I think it's a bit much. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I, I guess I spend around 100 on those sneakers. No, but I'm talking about like the sneaker yeah, heads. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's like, not there. You need a cop, like they're on Goat, and they need a cop like Goat the sneaker app, reselling app. 
No, I, I don't care about that. They're spending like. I care about like the look and fit and comfort or something. I mean, I he, like anyone who's I like respect anyone who's into it. Like, oh yeah, like good um, go 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 for it. It's yeah, cool. It's, it's just like not my thing. Yeah. Like spending like forty percent of my disposable income on shoes, not my thing. Yeah. So I'll tell you a story. I am. Um, I was in Mexico recently, and I bought a pair of white sneakers from a Mexican, like a Mexican brand. It cost me the equivalent of $14 US. I'm at Soho House in LA, like a private only club, whatever, private members club. It was all-star weekend. I'm in a circle with all these sneakerheads, including NFL, an NFL player. And they're all talking about all their Jordans and like someone caught the latest Jordan and like, wow, and they're going around the circle and they're talking about how dope their shoes are. Yeah. And then I'm just sitting there, didn't say a word for 15 minutes and they finally come to me and they, so, you know, I didn't think they were going to say anything. And they look at my sneakers, these $15, $14 Mexican brand sneakers that like were hurting my feet and they go, dude, what are those? And not, <laughs> what are those? But not in like the what are those, but in like who actually like they like couldn't believe how sick they were. Oh, nice. And it got me thinking that like, like basically, if they thought my shoes were sick, then I don't know. I think it's I mean, all it's all, all just hype. it's all it's all hype. right. The same sneaker, and you add Steph Curry's name to it, and it will double in price. Right. It's the power of a brand, and it's because like the brand is says something about you. It's how it makes you feel. Like knowing that you spent that much on something, mm-hmm. like it could be the same exact thing, but spending more on something will make you value it more. Perceived value. Yeah. It's a hell, mean, of a hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. Yeah. Um, let me ask you something. How do you or do you ever feel like you struggle with jealousy? Um, I'm very competitive. I think that if you're an immigrant to Silicon Valley or New York City, meaning like if you're from another city and you come here, you're by definition super competitive. Yeah. Um, I want the best for myself. And because of that, I see people who are more successful than me and I want that. Yeah. I don't know if that feeling is jealousy, mm-hmm. or it's just like, I really want that. Are you happy when you see other people in your circles succeed? Oh, totally. If it's in my circle, like, there's nothing that makes me happier. Like, you know me, like, I have, like, I'm, I'm very much, like, a communal person. Yeah. Community is really important to me. I would you know, say that's, like, one of the things that, that's, like, a, one of the biggest strengths that you have is... Your your attitude towards the people around you is of like true support and well, it's like the high. T- what's this expression like? High tides lift all boats. Sure. So, I, like practically speaking, I even see that. Like, so any way I can be helpful, any way I can support, like it, it's it's good for us all. And then, um, so yeah, I mean. I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm like super jealous. I'd say I'm super competitive. Yeah, and those are different. I mean, there's definitely times where I was like, I, I'm like, damn, I wish that, you know. Sure. 
I wish that happened to me. Yeah. But it's not in like a malicious way. How do you choose the people that are in your circle or that you, you keep in your circle? By the way, to add to that point, I remember when I was in Montreal, I'm originally from Montreal, Canada. Yeah. And there's a, um, something that hap- uh, they call it poppy seed syndrome. It's, uh, it's Australia too. It's a uh, Commonwealth. So it's UK, South Africa. Yeah, I like, heard that a hundred times in Australia. So when I was in Montreal, so basically the concept is, um, you know, people who are really successful, um, people try to chop them down. Yeah. And when I was in Montreal, I felt that that was the case all the time. Yeah. Um, I'd be in the newspaper or magazines, and then all of a sudden I'd go to a bar or whatever, and then I'd see people like side eye me. Not because like I did anything to them, but because like they kind of were, you know, poppy seed syndrome, whatever. When I came to San Francisco, for the first time ever, I felt that like the more I succeeded, the the more respect I got from people at large. Mm -hmm. And I feel for people who are not in in like because I felt that way in Canada. Yeah. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. So that's a cool part about like so you know places like Silicon Valley. Yeah. I agree with that. And then to answer your question of like how do I choose to, who to surround myself with? Yeah. You know, with with the opposite sex, what do they call it? The uh, pheromones. Uh-huh. Like you have that like pheromone effect. Um. I have the same thing with kind of like guys or girls that I want to be friends with. I just, there's something about them that connects me to them. And once they're like in my circle, it's like, I'll go, I'm that bad for you. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. And I keep it like, for me, it's like pretty tight. Like my inner circle is like a couple group chats. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't know. What about you? And as you get older, do you find yourself like, is it harder or easier to meet people or are you keeping your circles? Like, do you have your crew from back home, a crew from here? No, I didn't really have a crew back home. I struggled a lot to fit in when I was a kid. So there isn't a lot of people from my childhood that I feel really close to. Well, you wore um, skinny jeans before skinny jeans were cool. I did. Let's I wore girls' pants. You wore girls' pants, um, yeah. So... Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a fun fact. Yeah, uh, they didn't make guys' pants that tight back then, and we were ahead of our time. Slash, we uh, were just in, in like the hardcore music scene, and that was the style. Um, but like, I joined that scene in large part because like I was just seeking acceptance, um, and so I started like finding acceptance in these fringe groups mm-hmm. that were outside of my high school and outside of my town and all that. Um, I have a couple of really close friends that I'm still really close. Actually, like I became really close with one of my friends from high school. We became a lot closer even after college. Um, he's my best man at my wedding now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I see myself because because of a lot of that experience growing up. I've always needed a lot of acceptance and needed to have like a lot of different groups and Mm -hmm. and just be accepted by everyone. I feel like that's changing a lot as I'm getting older. It's just, 
wanting to be intentional and spend good time with my friends and like the people I'm close with and and that being enough and I still meet a ton of people and I connect with a lot of people and I'm, I still make a lot of friends I don't think it's hard to meet people here mm-hmm. um, it hasn't been for me I've been fortunate with that um, but yeah I have like my core group we spend a whole lot of time together mm-hmm. um, and I try to spend time with other people as well and mm-hmm. people so you, that I like or I care about you don't talk to like all the people that you grew up with like Long Island right? Mm-hmm. You barely keep in touch with them? There's three people from my high school that I still really talk to. Mm-hmm. And one of them is my best man. The other one just started working for CMX mm-hmm. <laughs> as a contractor. Um, and, uh, um, and then I have like another friend that I, I stay in touch with. And then the same thing with college, like I have like one or two. Mm-hmm. That seems to be how it turns out sometimes, isn't it? Like how old are you? Thirty. Yeah, once you hit thirty, it's like you're thirty. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thirty as fuck, man. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I'm twenty nine. Oh, yeah, one year left. Dude, less than one year. Jeez. I mean, I, yeah, I think your your priorities change. And soon, you know, I plan on having kids soon, and it's going to change again. Uh, that's like a fear that I'm thinking through now is I'm, I feel like I'm reaching kind of the end of a phase of life, and now everyone's having babies and buying houses and all that mm-hmm. shit. And trying to, like, mentally prepare myself for that shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can buy a house in the Bay Area, you're all right. I certainly can, so... That's that's not a problem. <laughs> that's just not going to happen. Which leads me to that question I asked: Why why are you in the Bay Area? Most um, expensive place. Yeah, it's very expensive. I like it a lot here, though. Uh, there's a lot to not like, but there's a lot to like. Um, I moved out here because I wanted to be out here. Um, my closest friends are all here now, and I have a really good group of people that I spend a lot of time with. You've met a lot of them mm-hmm. now. Um, and like, I don't know if you have like your, you imagine as like different circles, like I have that core group and then I have like another, like layers of friends, like, you know, we, we hang out fairly frequently. Um, and so like, it just feels like a really good network of quality people, Mm -hmm. um, combined with a city that's really beautiful and has access to a lot of things I like, nature, Mm -hmm. ocean, um, it's a cool city, it's active. It's welcoming, it's inclusive, um, it's easy to access things here. Does, uh, does the burn rate ever stress you out, like the, like the fact that you're spending X dollars a month? I, we've, we've, we're fortunate we've found a pretty solid situation. I live in an eight-person house. Um, super, my, I mean, for the record, it's super dope. It's a really yeah. dope house um, with roommates I really like. I live with my fiancé in the master bedroom, which is the size of a studio apartment, and there's yeah. a bathroom and a closet and a little living room area so we basically have an apartment in a house which has made it more affordable if we were to move out of there it would become a much much bigger issue mm-hmm. um and you know soon enough we're gonna have to make that call um i'm, I'm like trying to get myself up to uh, a healthy salary mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm already doing well but you know i'd like to get myself to where i want to get myself and mm-hmm. Um, 
either way, it's still it's extremely expensive to be here. So, mm-hmm. it's the cost yeah. of doing business. Yeah. And the cost of the lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, there's value in being here for business yeah. for sure. The access, being in it, a lot of opportunities come from just being here. And ideas and yeah. Although changing with like podcasts and blogs and Twitter. Yeah. I mean, well, that's different though, you know, like you can always access information now, but to access people. Yeah. You know, we couldn't do this if I lived in, we could do this online, but it wouldn't be the same as us sitting here drinking Prosecco. Right. And I can hop over here from my office. Yeah. And sure, maybe there's a a Greg Eisenberg in another city. 100%. There's uh, probably not uh, as many (laughs) Greg Eisenbergs in other cities. Um, And... uh, uh, the concentration of people who are working on really cool things and really big things. It's, it's, it's hard not to make a connection to your... Mm-hmm. Well, cheers, man. Thanks for coming and doing this with me. I gotta say, like, this is a great conversation. This is great. I like it because, like, I always, I have conversations with good friends like this all the time, and it would just be, you know, over a fire, yeah. drinking wine or whatever, and and it's always really, I don't know, I think interesting things come of it, but it's, it's never recorded. Right. And so, just, like, being able to have that same kind of conversation, but being able to share it. Well, I hope you come back again and drink uh, more champagne with me. Season two. You know, stay tuned, everyone. I don't know, I'm episode one, so I, might, I don't know how long it'll be before I'm invited back. I mean, soon. Very soon. <laughs> if you keep that beard going, very soon. Maybe next time it'll be even longer. So, thank you so much, and I guess you're on Twitter. I'm at David Spinks on Twitter. You're on Instagram too. No, deleted. I, I never. I delete it on my phone, and there's no web. So. So just Twitter is your thing. Twitter. That's where to find you. Probably. That's the only real. That's the only social network I still really use. Or Facebook. I use our our Facebook group, CMX Hub. I'm in there a lot. CMX Hub for community builders. Go check it out and ask David Spinks what's on his mind, because he's got a pretty cool mind. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man.